Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of the Define University podcast and another edition of the Share Your Story series. And I'm so excited to bring this educator on today who is actually an educator that I have connected with uh, really during this pandemic time. So I've mentioned it a few times that you know, from closure, I really realized personally, I needed a bigger network. I need a community of educators that I could connect with. And I did just that. And I, I am so honored and grateful for the connections that have been made uh, through the Teach Better team and through just kind of getting out there and putting, putting things on Twitter, putting more things out there in the, in the universe, in the education world. And uh, this, this educator is one that has come from that. So uh, we have today Rob Breyer on the Define New Podcast. Rob, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for inviting me. It's such an honor to be on your show. Um, I love what you're doing with your show. It's been a really fabulous experience getting to know you and getting to meet you. And I'm very thankful to the Teach Better team for introducing us. Absolutely. I, you know, those connections just continue uh, to strengthen. And I think that's the really cool part is like, yes, I've made, you know, connections, we've connected, but it's, it's that everyday connection where you just get to keep learning and growing alongside. And you've got this like network of cheerleaders that are cheering you on. But I also think like coaching you on too, because I've been able to ask some like tough questions and say, okay, what do I do? And it's not just a, you got it, you know, you can do this, but it's, have you considered this? Like, I wonder this. And I just think that is for me is, is invaluable. Like that is what has been truly amazing. Um, and so Rob, if people, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I agree hundred percent with you. Like it has been amazing. Like being a part of Teach Bear team has like opened up my network to a national network. And it's so interesting to get insight from people who are going through the same thing that I'm going through here, but they're in a different area. That, so their experiences and their insight comes from a different lens. And it's so cool to listen to the, the advice and the strategies and the ideas that they come up with. And I think it's made me a better educator by connecting with all of them. Absolutely. And so we know you're an educator because you're here on the Define You podcast. Can you, for people that may not know you specifically, Can you kind of give a little bit of background? What do you do? What do you love? All that good stuff related to education. So uh, my name is Rob Breyer. I am a principal down in North Carolina. I am the proud principal of Cameron Elementary School. And gosh, when it comes to the things I'm passionate about, it's mostly coaching aspiring leaders. Uh, I love working with young leaders and kind of helping them get into the leadership role. Um, I love working with teachers and I love watching teachers and children connect. And so I'm just really passionate about teachers who are able to provide a really engaging classroom where they make learning come to life. And that is what I love about my job is I get to be in so many different classrooms a day and see so many great things happening with kids. Like it just, I truly have the greatest job ever. So um, that is what I'm really passionate about. And people who want to connect with me, you can always get up with me um, on Twitter at rbriar51 and Instagram at rbriar. And you can find me on Facebook and all that kind of fun stuff. So I love it. And I love that you mentioned, you know, uh, bringing learning to life, or I forget which words you use, but like that just that creating experiences for our students. And 
I think it is so, so important. And, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think it matters the age. You know, I have a, I have a first grader at home. I have a six-year-old and she'll come home. And I always say I'm a little biased because I know what she does at school because I've lived it for 15 years, but it floors me every time. So the other day she came home and she was reading in her room and my husband popped his head in and he goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm increasing my stamina, dad. And he was like blown away. He was like, she, did you hear her? I'm like, well, yeah, but that's what they do at school. And, but her teacher, just by the way that, you know, there's a, okay, everybody, we've got to read and we've all been there, but then there's just, okay, everybody, we are reading and oh my goodness. And I think just the way that you can truly make learning come to life, I think is so important to our students. And I love that you see that and you, you coach that, right? You push that and growth in your teachers to how do we make education, how to make learning something that we can touch, something that we can feel. And I think that's so, so crucial to, uh, to the students in our classrooms today. Absolutely. And like, so for me, I was a hands-on learner. Like I, I wanted to have my hands on, so I want to be building and creating and designing things. And so for me, the traditional classroom was not a fun experience. Um, I didn't enjoy just sitting there and doing worksheets and never talking to anybody, never working with anybody. Like, so at my school, like I am all about, we use the engineering mindset. So we are always taking real world problems and we are working on finding solutions to those problems and building and designing things and going through that whole uh, design process. But then like we have STEM education, anything that's going to make the kids attribute what they're learning and showing them how it relates to the real world and how they can use it in their life. Like that is what I'm all about. School has to be a fun experience. So when, if you're on my campus, the chances that you're going to see me running around in a silly outfit of some sort is a very normal everyday thing. Um, to see me on the front lawn, whether I am been saran wrapped to the telephone pole, I've been turned into an ice cream sundae, um, I've been dunking booze where the more books kids read, the more balls they collected. Um, and that's how we, we kind of do our dunking booth. And anything that gets kids excited about being on campus and wanting to come to school, that is what I'm going to do. And it, if, if it takes me doing these silly type of things, that's what I'll do. It's anything for our kids. And th that is basically our philosophy. We want to engage kids every day, get them excited about learning and help them excel. And that's, that's our mission. I love it. And, and you mentioned a little bit about, you know, your personal experience in school and not loving what, what was presented to you. Do you think that, do you think your personal experience is really what kind of guided your mission as an educator today? Absolutely. You know, um, my, I, like, I can still remember the feeling of being in school. And I remember what it was like. And, you know, like I went to an older elementary school and it was kind of dark and dingy and all your desks were in a row and you would spend hour upon hour sitting there and just doing worksheet after worksheet. And like, you never got to get up and move. You never got to work and collaborate with other kids and build anything or design anything. It was always just answer these 10 problems, do this, do that, read a book. And I just, I remember like as a kid, like I despised school and I didn't want to be there. And then I went to middle school and I had a couple teachers, like in my educational career, I had teachers that. I, I liked and we got along with, but I didn't have strong relationships with a lot of teachers. And I remember a gentleman, his name is Rick Farkas, and I loved it being in his class. And he was all about technology. So he did really cool designs. Like I remember one of our lessons was we were talking about the ocean for science and he turned his classroom into an ocean. So like you had fish, he used like one of those overhead projectors and he had a bowl with some goldfish in. And so you saw fish swimming around. He had netting hanging from the ceiling, seaweed all over. He made learning come to life. And I enjoyed his class. And that was the first time really in my educational career where I did well in school that year. Um, and then I had a few more teachers like Sean McBain and uh, Nadine Owens who, you know, they taught science and social studies and they both just had a way of just creating this atmosphere like 
Nadine Owens uh, talked about the Holocaust. And it was just so neat the way she made everything come to life and the projects that we did and the hands-on learning. Everything was just getting together and having small group discussions about how you would handle these things. It was just such a neat experience. And then, you know, for me, like until I got into high school, like I kind of went on a downhill trajectory of like showing up to school and doing those kind of things. And I had a really great principal. His name is John Semmet. And I had a really great football coach. And they kind of really helped guide me and kind of kept pushing me, even though I didn't always make the best decisions, they kept pushing me. And so that was one of, for me, those relationships, and they're still strong relationships. When I go back to my hometown now, I still go visit the same people. And I still keep in contact with them because those relationships are what got me through school and helped me get to where I am today. I love it. And I think I resonated with, you know, some of the things you you had mentioned. And it's funny because I had a different, so I, I loved school I think because I was supposed to love school, if that makes sense. Like I, school was, was relatively easy for me. I had a couple subjects that I struggled with, but overall I was pretty, I was pretty good. I didn't have to do too much, but I never also with that, I never pushed myself. I never, you know, went beyond my comfort zone. I remember specifically, I think it was high school um, and they wanted me to take advanced math. And, and so I had been in regular math and I was doing well, I was like high nineties. And they're like, all right, Lindsay, like let's bump it up a little bit. You're gonna try advanced. And after a week I was like, uh-uh, this is hard. I want, I want to go back. <laughs> and, and they let me, which probably did not help me, but it, it was what I needed in that moment. And so I went back to the, the regular and I was successful and I was confident and I kept moving. And, you know, I shared on my journey, like confidence was something I battled for years. And so in high school, it wasn't something I was ready to kind of tackle. And, but I think it is so important that, you know, this connection we make as to why we're doing what we're doing in our classrooms is so important. And I also go back to, you know, your story is so powerful because, you know, you weren't, you weren't totally invested as a student. You weren't like fully in, yet you are successful now. And so what we see in our students today is who they are today. And I think that's so important because I will get in conversations with teachers, you know, well, in the future, they need this. And I said, you're right, but we're not in the future. We are today, we are here. So what are they doing today to impact today? And I, you know, and it's, I think being able to do this, like I have goals for their futures too, but if they don't share the same goals I do, we're, we're like running two different races here and we're going to get frustrated because I'm going East and they're going West. So I think if we can recognize like, where are we today? How do we get better today? Right. And then we go back to that. How do we tomorrow? How do we make tomorrow better than today? And I just think that's so, so important um, that we don't fall in this like all or nothing. They have to do all this. And I just I love those examples. I think the more we can make it experiential. And I don't know what I don't know what your thoughts. Like, I don't think I think one of the pushbacks I hear when I bring up those kinds of ideas or, you know, how do we make this more interactive? I think I hear educators a lot say, well, I can't do that for every lesson, right? How can I possibly do that for every lesson? And I'm like, we don't need to, right? I'm like, Exactly. To me, that's like an all or nothing. So do you see that in your school too? And, and kind of what do you tell teachers if they get this like, oh, how do I do that all the time? And, and it's unrealistic to think you could do it all the time, mm -hmm. but it's tying in those pieces. So like it's that anticipation and that excitement about, 
you know, you, you're doing some of this other stuff and you're doing this a little bit and then those big pieces come in. It can't, it's unrealistic to expect a teacher to be able to do that on a regular everyday basis. But when they add those pieces in and there's just those little simple things and it could be a day or two that they're doing this different project or this different experiment or even just decorating their classroom in a certain way. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. It is added in and it just brings that learning to life. And once you get those kids caught and they, they get excited about the learning, now you got them. And you can keep reeling them in and they get so excited about the different stuff that they hear. And probably my favorite part of the day is at buses or in car riders and listening to stories about what they experienced that day or the things that they saw in class that day. That is what keeps me coming back every single day and gets me excited for them about learning. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because I, I completely agree with you that it doesn't have to be all over the top, right? All the time. It's, it's these little bursts of elements of surprise right? These little things to keep them like, oh, what's going to happen today? This wonder, right? And, you know, I'm a behavior, I'm a behavior analyst. So for me, it's, you know, what we call intermittent reinforcement, right? It's why gambling is so addictive. You don't know when it's going to happen. So you keep trying. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, your students, right? As the educator, as the teacher in the classroom, you know, your students, you have this knowledge. So bring in those interests, bring in, right? Do you have a really, even yesterday, I saw they were doing a, a worksheet that went along with our curriculum. But the teacher uh, taped the worksheet all around the classroom, six feet apart, and the kids got to pick a colored pencil. And they went and they, it was like, it was like, it was just the way she, you know, made it like an adventure. She made it a little different other than, okay, we're going to do a worksheet at your desk, you know? And I said, just that, I, it was such a difference from the engagement I had seen prior to that. Like the kids were talking to each other, like, what do you get? Oh, and you could hear them sounding out the words. And I'm like, it was as simple as literally taping a piece of paper to the wall, but it was different enough that it got the kids moving and it got them talking. And it gets them up and they're collaborating. Like, and I'm thinking of a similar lesson I just saw the other day where the teacher hung a poster and she did a problem wrong and she hung up six of them around the room. So again, we socially distanced the kids and they walked around the room, but they were up there and they had to write their explanation about what she did wrong and how they did it. And it didn't matter what the kids wrote. Like, and it didn't matter. They read the other answers. They were learning and they were going through and they're like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, she didn't add. And so they were adding that to their writing. It was just so neat. And they were so excited about it and they couldn't wait to get up and start sharing. And then she gave each of the kids a different poster and they had to go up and explain what they did wrong. So it gave them all ownership of the work that they did. So they could either use what they wrote or what one of their friends wrote. It is just that piece of they're, they're up, they're active, they're talking to each other, they're sharing ideas. And then to have them actually explain the learning is such a powerful tool that I think every teacher needs to utilize more in their classroom. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Um, I would love to know, you know, so you shared a little bit about what school was like. So at some point, though, there must have been this switch that you were like, okay, I didn't like school, but I'm going to go into school. <laughs> and so what, was there anything or anyone that inspired you to kind of make this your career path? So, you know, I am very lucky. Um, my parents were fantastic and they were my biggest cheerleaders. And even though at times I may not have given them the most reason to be my cheerleader, um, but they always supported me. Um, they were always there. They always had my back and probably the best day for me being a principal um, was, I remember my mom and dad, they came to the school for the first time to visit me. Um, they were sitting there talking to my staff and they were just talking to different people. And it was just really interesting because my mom was sitting there and she kind of looked at me and then looked back at them and looked back at me again and then started to cry. And, you know, it caught me off guard and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is my mom sitting in the hallway crying? And, you know, she began to tell this, my staff a story. 
And my mom's, you know, worked in the school for many years. And so, which makes it even more ironic, but um, she began to tell my staff about this young boy who hated school from, from the very get go, never wanted to go to school, would do anything he could to stay home. Um, eighth grade, he brought home the paperwork for his parents to sign so he could drop out of school. Um, and I mean, that's how much he really, he went to the guidance counselor, talked to her and she looked over at me and told my staff from, um, for her seeing him now leading his own school, and having a positive impact on teachers and students was probably one of the proudest moments of her life. And that still resonates with me today and still gets me every time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps. Like (laughs) that is so, it is so powerful. I mean, I think celebrating you that you were able to overcome this huge challenge and, and make it your life's mission to not have kids experience that, right? Like to do what you can, what can you control, but then to have that that family support and to have that pride and have your mom be able to share that with your staff. I mean, I can only imagine how, how much more connected you felt, you know, at that minute. Oh, absolutely. And you know, my life did change. Like, so as I went through school, like I was saying, like I had some teachers who I really connected with and they started to realize the areas where I was struggling and they took time to work with me to kind of show me ways to overcome some of those learning gaps that I had that, made school not enjoyable for me and showed me how to study and how to do well. And honestly, like my whole plan in school was to go into the Marine Corps and I was going to be in the military. And um, I unfortunately had an accident when I was younger and had to have multiple knee surgeries. And I was not a good candidate for the military, Um, but I had multiple football scholarship offers. And so like, honestly, I was like, well, who would want me to go to their college? Like I didn't do well in school. And fortunately, my teachers helped me and I ended up graduating with a high enough GPA that I got into a college. And when I went to college, something just clicked. Um, It wasn't about just showing up and playing sports and having fun. It was, I started to take courses I really enjoyed. And I found that I was getting a lot from and things were starting to make sense. And I was starting to figure out how I could apply them to things I wanted to do in my future. And um, my mom and dad and a bunch of teachers really encouraged me to go into teaching. And I was like, no, I'm going to go into engineering. And um, I took a lot of advanced math courses and stuff. And eventually I found this love for technology and this love for teaching people how to use technology. And so I changed my major to elementary education and I got a minor in computer science. And that's how I ended up where I'm at today. Oh, I love it. I think, and I love what you, you know, mentioned that there are, you know, even though you had teachers, you weren't a fan of, right? You had people in your corner. And you know, you had mentioned one being, you know, the principal or the assistant principal, another being your football coach. And I think that's what's so, so, I just didn't find it fascinating that, right, within a school, we have so many opportunities for connections that it, it may be the teacher, but it may not. So if, if you're listening and you're not like the head teacher, you know, lead teacher in a classroom, you can still have ongoing relationships with students and these connections. And my, I, I had swim coaches growing up and that was, they were my people. Like I, I was very, um, I, I always say like, I was super shy growing up, reserved. Like I, I always joke, I had a behavior plan in fifth grade to get me to talk. Cause I just like would not talk. I would cry at the top of a hat and that was me. And I'm like, now you can't get me to stop talking. So, you know, go figure. But I think it was my coaches that, you know, no matter what, they were there for me. And the important part is I didn't have to see them every day. And sometimes I didn't, you know, if it wasn't swim season, you know, at high school, I wouldn't see my coach for a couple weeks, right? Because it just happens if I would see him in the hallway or kind of like that. But I knew like in that you have that like gut reaction. I knew if I ever needed him, he was there and I knew where I could go. And so I think you know, we don't, and again, it's like that all or nothing example. We don't have to see someone every day to build a relationship with them or to strengthen a connection. 
it certainly helps, but it's not an all or nothing. And so anybody listening that's, you know, I just want to keep building relationships. That's all you got to do is set that intention to build those relationships and, and that's it. And then let, let, you know, the organic nature of them just kind of happen because that's the beauty of it. If we force it, it doesn't feel right. But if we let it just naturally evolve, I think that's, I think that's so important. It is. And like, I remember like, you know, I grew up in that stereotype of I was the big dumb John, you know, and like, and I, and I struggled with self-confidence all through middle school and high school. And so that's why your story was very, it kind of affected me a little bit more directly because I could easily relate to what you were talking about. And so it wasn't until I got into college and started to kind of come into my own where I started to realize like I had the ability to do this. I had the skills I needed to be successful. And so, and that's when I started to find my own true self and really started to dedicate the time to the work that I needed to do because I started applying goals and I I could see a future for myself that maybe I didn't quite see when I was in middle school and high school. And that was just huge for me. And so one of the things is being an elementary school principal that I love doing is every, at the end of every school year, I bring in all these different businesses from all around um, the state. And they just bring in a representative and they come and they talk to our kids about jobs that they do and what it looks like and how they do it. And I've had people from the news media, I had newspapers, I had photographers, I've had um, farriers. Um, you know, all kinds, dentists, doctors, nurses, and they come in and they basically just talk to my kids and my kids rotate all day long going to these different stations, learning about all these different opportunities. Because what that does is it allows them to start learning about what are some jobs that are available to them. Um, And I want the kids to know now that there's a future out there for them and that they start working for it now. And everything that we're doing is leading up to that main goal of whatever it is they want to be, that there's nothing that isn't available to them every opportunity is out there. And so that has been like one of the greatest things. And like kids will come up to me and like, and after these people leave and they'll be like, oh, I'm surprised. Like, you know, I used to think I wanted to do this or I want to play in the NFL, but now, now I want to be a doctor. Like, I just think that would be the coolest job. Like, it's so exciting to see them get excited about their potential that their future holds for them. And I think that's really important to do for young kids is to expose them early to opportunities so they know what's really out there for them. Yeah. And I think that's so, I think what's so, just so I don't even know the word, like good is what's coming to mind, but it's so not that. So we get for a Friday afternoon podcasting. It happens. Um, I think what's so powerful, that's the word powerful is that it makes, right? So if you have an elementary student that now is like, ooh, doctor, right? Like I didn't even think about this. Like we have so much more of a strategic pathway to help that child, right? And I think, you know, what I was hearing, you know, even, even this year, ultimately, it's, you know, okay, we got to, you know, in the classroom, you got to get good grades, so you can get a job. And I'm like, I think we're beyond that. Like, we're beyond that, guys. Like, you know, and it was, I was working with a high school student, and the, the girl comes in the next day, and she's like, I got a job. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, guys, I, we got to find a new, a new pathway here. But I think it can be about the job, but it's not about the grades, right? It's about the skills. And what skills do you need? And I was working with a student last year, too, who is, who is set on, on being a police officer. And I said, that's, that's great, right? And I, I'm never one to say, yes, they can or no, they can't. Like, if you have it on your heart, who, who's here to stop you, right? Absolutely. And I just, we, I remember having this conversation, though, because he goes, well, I don't have to read. And I was like, oh, as a police officer? So we hopped on the internet and we were like, what might a police officer need to read? And, you know, we, we talked about all these things and he was like, oh, right. So it was about tying in their interests. So I think when you can, I love this like multi-level, like tiered though, because first it's exposure, like mm-hmm. here's what's available. And I think the cool thing in 2020 is that exposure is growing every day. 
I mean, you know, the more kids that are like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, like that wouldn't have come out of a kid's mouth 15 years ago, you know, or very often. And I hear it from like elementary kids. I'm like, all right, you go, you know? And, but I just think that's really cool. You keep expanding and then we use that. Okay. So now this is your interest. How do we tie in both the like academic, but also the social emotional skills that you might need to use as a dentist, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a vet, as a, as a, you know, I I think even my husband, he's a tool and die machinist, which is a trade. And like, he's so successful at that. And, you know, it wasn't anything that, you know, he probably growing up, but he needed something to do with his hands. He needed something to keep his mind busy. And it is like, it is the perfect thing for him. It's something different every day. He's making all cool things. Um, and that was just, you know, that was trade school. That was two years after school. And he has been, you know, going ever since. So I think it, I love that you're, you're showcasing that to your students at that, at that young age. So they can just keep growing into these passions that they may never have even known they had. And what I, you know, one of the things I heard you say that just really hit a core with me is, and you hit it dead on is the fact that maybe college isn't for every kid. And we, you know, like, like your husband, he went to a trade school and, and look, he has a job he loves and he's really successful at it. We have to get past that mindset that every kid either needs to go to college or get out there and, and just work. And like, but you can be perfectly successful just getting out there. We, but we have to give them the skills. Like kids need to know how to read. They have to be able to do basic math. If we give them the basics, there's a lot of industries out there now that who will give them the rest when they get there. And we just have to make sure that we are giving them the foundation to be successful Um, and then giving them an opportunity to explore. I mean, that is the one best thing about being young is the world's wide open when you get out. When you get out of high school, like you have time where you can go out there and explore different things. And maybe you don't go to college until you're 26 because you realize that, hey, I need this if I want to do what I really am passionate about. But kids have, we have to give them the opportunity to explore and really kind of see what is it that, that drives me? Because what drove me back in third, fourth and fifth grade isn't what drove me when I was in in college. And so you have to find those passions and, and really be willing to take the chance to explore them. Yeah, I love it. I I often relate to, um, I'll use like a light analogy that as educators, we have the power to shine the light on the future of our students, right? And some, you know, some of our students will will already know and they're like, nope, this is this is it shine the light right here for me. And and that's what I'm going to do. And, and other students need like the stadium lights lit up, like, here's all the opportunity you have. And let me help you figure out what you're going to do. Um, but I think being careful, like you said, to not put these limits, to not put these beliefs. So I talk about limiting beliefs a lot. And this belief that in order to be successful, I need a four-year degree. It's a limiting belief because I could find millions of people out there that did not do that and are successful, right? Because we all have different levels of success. And I've even had to do that with my own family. Like we, again, my daughter's six. We've started a you know, I don't even know what the account is called because I'm so not into accounting or anything like that, but we have like a savings account, right? Mm-hmm. But we specifically did not pick one that, you know, is a, you must go to college to kind of get this money when it, you know, when you're, when you're older, you know, we did it more as, you know, to get you into adulthood, whatever that looks like. So she has options. And the, the conversation I had to have with my mom, because she was like flabbergasted. She couldn't believe that I wouldn't put that like stipulation. And this, this is coming from me, who is back in school to be an administrator. I'm on year like 12 of schooling. I love school. But I said, mm-hmm. I don't want to make that a requirement for her if she falls in love with a trade and, you know, goes to a two-year school and can, and can fall in love with a career that way. So I go, I'm not going to limit her. And it was a really interesting conversation that you know, again, just kind of opened up those limiting beliefs that if we can just keep breaking those down and just see each kid for who they are and then help shine the light, whatever level they need. I I just think that's so important. 
Absolutely. And I love that analogy too. That's a wonderful analogy. You know, and my family reminds me of exactly what school's like in the fact that I have four kids. Every single one of them is 100% completely different than the other. And not, they, I mean, they all have nothing in common or similar, even though two are twins. It is amazing. And that I think is what teachers need to realize when they walk in the classroom is the one size fits all doesn't work anymore. And that is why, it, you know, we got to find ways to get kids excited and give them the opportunities to, to see that path, whether it is a stadium lit up and there's all these options or help them get to that one guided path to that solid beam that's shining right down the middle of the field. But like, we have to remember that they're all different. And just because this works for these kids, this group of kids, you know, the first year you taught doesn't mean the second year is going to look the same. You might have to find different things. We have to be open to constantly keep evolving with the kids that come into our classrooms because every year, you know, these kids who are being born right now are going to have a whole lot different needs when they come to our schools than the kids who are in our school right now. And so we have to be willing to adapt and change to meet their needs. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, coaching educators, coaching teachers, coaching future leaders is a passion of yours to be able to help them kind of go with these changes. And, you know, I'm, I'm making a guess, an assumption that that is something that brings you joy as an educator. Um, is there other, other things or what is it that just gets you like lit up every day to, to come to work and do what you do? Honestly, it's, it's celebrating others. It's seeing the success in other people and really bringing it to light and just taking time to honor them. Um, I love doing that. I love working with kids and being in the classroom and just, you know, walking around and checking at the work they're doing and celebrating them right there on the spot. I love celebrating teachers' accomplishments, whether it's being a nationally board certified teacher or something they did great in class that day, or maybe celebrating them as teacher of the year. Whatever it is, I just love recognizing them. But I, one of my biggest passions and the thing that brings me the most joy is working with young educational leaders, people who want to get into leadership. Because honestly, I have like the greatest job ever. I mean, I get to work with kids. I get to work with teachers. I get to build our community and I get to grow and create relationships in our community that are going to last years after I leave the school. And I have put supports in place that no matter what role, what decision I make in the future and where I decide to go, I know these kids are going to be well taken care of because I put those things in place. And it's just such an amazing experience to have that opportunity. And I think every school leader needs to do that. So, you know, I take time to coach you know, new leaders. I take time to tell stories from uh, people who are already in this role and to share those stories with others. But, you know, on my podcast, one of the things I try to do differently is I take time to really celebrate their leadership because how often, especially in the role of leadership, everybody always tells about it's the most lonely place in the world. And it is, but it's such a neat experience to let other school leaders know, like, what are they doing well? What do people appreciate about the work they're doing? And really taking time to share that with them and celebrate the great things that they're doing because sometimes public education gets a bad rap. And I love having the opportunity. I love having the voice. I love having the capability to go out there and really take time to celebrate others. And that that's what brings me the most joy in what I do. I love it. And I am, I am all about celebrations. And I think, again, kind of a theme we've been talking about here is it doesn't have to be anything crazy, right? It's not, it's not anything, but it is... It is simply asking, you know, I think to your podcast, like it's asking other people what they think about this person and, you know, to share some positivity about this person. And like, it's so simple, but it's so profound. And I think, you know, even just saying, you know, uh, one of the things I will do is I bought little like motivational cards over the summer. And so as I'm, you know, in schools, doing an observation, hanging out, doing what I do, I will then in the mailbox of that teacher leave that little note, like, thanks for having me in today. You rock. So appreciate you. 
Like, and I, and you know, I'll add in other things, but it's, it's nothing that takes time, but it takes awareness and it takes the intentionality behind it of who am I celebrating today? Who am I going to help to amplify today? And I think the more that we can do that, the ripple effect truly gets to be in effect because if I do it to somebody and they feel it, they're more likely to go do it. And then, and then again, you're spreading that positive energy among a greater collective rather than just kind of keeping it and keeping it isolated. Absolutely. And like you said, it doesn't have to be this grand thing. And, you know, teachers are, it, it's it really interesting to me because I do huddles and I, I like to do shout outs and I like to go and really kind of celebrate people on, in the, on the spot in the moment. But it's interesting about how humble teachers are and how like some teachers don't want to be called out. And so again, it goes back to this relationship piece of knowing your different teachers, knowing who's okay to call out in the huddle and who's that teacher I need to go and slip a little note in their box because they don't want to be called out in front of everybody else. You know, it's amazing to me. Like people think that the leadership role is so different than teaching, but it's not, you know, it's about relationships. It is about taking care of the people that you're serving. And, you know, I I have a philosophy, which I refer to as the trickle down effect of education. I treat my teachers with respect and make sure they have support and I empower them on every level because when I do that and that they come to school and they're excited about being here, they go into the classroom and teach every kid with that same mindset where they're giving them respect, they're providing them the support and they're empowering them to be successful in their own learning. That's what I want. And when everybody's that happy and, and you can see it when you walk in the classrooms because the kids are happy to be there. My teachers are happy to be there. And it's just such a powerful tool that everybody can do. And if, if you walk into leadership with the same mindset you have as a teacher, you're going to be successful. Yes. And I love that you brought up the knowledge of teacher because I think it so relates to students too. So one of the things I will often share with teachers is, you know, we want to provide feedback privately, but sometimes we, that, that feedback is the positive feedback too. And, and it's knowing your students and it's knowing your staff, which staff can you shout out and which staff are you going to do that in private? And I think it's with students too, because I know like for me as an adult, I'm fine with it now, but that's because I've learned, I've done my own inner work to be able to accept compliments and, and honor those, you know, celebrations that happen as a kid. If that would have happened, I, I guarantee I would have become embarrassed, you know, look like a tomato and start crying because I couldn't handle the spotlight. I couldn't handle people looking at me. And I see that in so many of our kids today, you know, what might just look like the student doesn't want to respond or engage or raise their hand or share. It, it really could be like performance anxiety, like stage fright. And, and I, I know that because I lived that. And once I try and give those other mindsets of it's not just they don't want to, it's they, they really can't. They don't know how to take that risk because they don't, it's unpredictable. They don't know if they're going to be right or wrong or if a kid is going to say something. And, you know, those are all the things going through their mind. So, you know, there's little tricks like doing it in private or creating a little system with your student to say, here's the question I'm asking today. I would love it if you would, you know, invite you to answer. But if you're not ready, that's okay too. And just little things like that to help increase that confidence in our students an ability to share out. Um, and I love that you made that connection to teachers too, because I think it's so important that it's not always different strategies. It's the same strategies. We just tweak it to adult or kid or kid to kid. Again, and it's just looking at it, you know, and I, I forget when I say stuff like that, like I, I should really make sure I clarify the fact that like I have a school of 250 kids. So me knowing my kids in my school is something I, you know, like when I walk into a classroom, like I know which kid I can honor at that moment or which kid I just need to go and Hey, put that little note in your book bag as I'm walking out the door. Like there are those different kids and you have rapport and relationship with those different kids. And you do, you know, whether you're a teacher or a school principal, like 
knowing your kids and which ones to be safe doing that with is a very important thing because you never want to put a kid on the spot and make them feel bad. So I sometimes I, I need to remember to clarify that I do have a small school in a, in a school of 800 to 1200 kids. It might not be a possible thing to do, but you know, when you're working with 250 kids, like it's the thing, one of the things I love about my school is like, I know every kid by name. I know them all. I've worked and I, I take time to work with them in small groups. I have the ability to build that rapport and that relationship with kids that I can do special things like that and be 99% of the time, I'm perfectly okay with the things I do. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Have I learned from those mistakes? Yes, I have. Absolutely, <laughs> right? 100%, right? 100%. I don't make that mistake again. Yeah. And I think if people are listening and they are in a big school, my recommendation is then go private, right? Like if you aren't sure absolutely, what which one a student is or a teacher, always err on the side of, you know, privacy because it just, you're not you're still going to get what you were looking for. You're giving, you're giving that recognition. And then if they, if they're, you know, you can have those conversations later. So, and absolutely. And this is where knowing your environment and where you are is so crucial because I think that's so important. Um, so Rob, you have shared so much advice already, but I would love it if you, you know, have one last final piece of advice that you could share with the Define You listeners. So, you know, people who know me real well know that I'm a giant, I'm just a huge Simon Sinek fan. Like I, I love what he has to say. And one of my favorite quotes from him is that the goal is not to be perfect, but it's to be better today. And that just resonates with me so much because Lord knows I am not perfect in many ways. And I'm always looking for opportunities to grow as a leader, as a husband, as a father, even as a friend, like we can all grow and get better. So my advice to your listeners is very simple, but don't let the fear of obstacles and barriers get in your way. You know, um, we all have this path to success that we want to get down. Sometimes we let barriers get in our way and then we kind of divert us into some, something completely different. Barriers and obstacles are there for a reason because they are learning and growth opportunities and we need to treat them as such. And we can't be afraid and kind of avoid conflict or avoid a tough situation. Sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone and just kind of dig in and really get there. Because whether the experience is a positive and happy experience, or it kind of like directs you around it and helps you get to your goal in another little way, it's still an opportunity that you're going to grow and get better. And so always take those head on, do the best you can with it, learn from it and keep moving forward. So I love it. Couldn't have, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things, so I think again, people that know me know I'm, I'm very much a word oriented person, right? If you tell me should, you're going to get, get out of shouldville. If you tell me, you know, there's certain words and I'm like, nope, we're not going there. And the one, the phrase I have when I hear perfect is I always tell myself I'm perfect in this present moment, which just brings me back to this moment. I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be right here. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to grow because I'm always growing. I'm always learning. And that fear that you mentioned, right, that fear is just because we've never done it before. Absolutely. So naturally, our brain wants to tell us, whoa, don't go there. You, you don't know what you're doing. Like, stay safe. And that's all fear is, right? And I think it's so important that if you're trying to counteract that fear, I always say to me, fear is a sidekick. Like, buckle up. You're going to be there. It's going to be there for the ride. But if you're in a car, right, trust is the headlights. Trust, you know, your headlights are there in the darkness. They're also there when it's light out and you need them. You can count on them. It's there. And I just think if, if we as educators can recognize, like, we're perfect in this present moment, you know, yep. and growth and failure and success and all of that, will make us better tomorrow. But you're always perfect in the present moment because you're exactly where and who you need to be by owning who you are. And so for me, I love, I love that because it is, it's just, this is who I am. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna aim for that and I'm gonna be better tomorrow. So 
I love that. I have I now have a new favorite saying. So <laughs> I think that's like the one thing that's if if it was uh, Dave Schmidow, that would be put on a post-it. That's what Dave would tell me. <laughs> you know what's funny? Computers are lined with post-its. <laughs> I just put it on a post-it. So you have made it to the wall of fame. <laughs> yes. There we go. Awesome. Uh, well, Rob, I have had I have had a blast on this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. If um, if listeners, I know you mentioned a little bit at the beginning, but we'll do it now too, so that that we can let listeners know where to connect with you. And then, of course, it will all be in the show notes. But where is the best place for people to connect with you if they haven't already? So the best place to connect with me is on Twitter. You can connect with me at rbriar51. You can go to my website, which is beyondthedeskleadership.com. Um, if you are interested in being on my podcast and you want to talk about leadership, you can check it out there. It's called the Guiding Principles Podcast. And you can always email me at robertfbriar at gmail.com. I love it. And side note, I love the name of your website. I love the whole concept behind the desk. I'm like, yes, like be active, get out there. Um, I absolutely love that. And so if you have not checked out that out yet, go do that. Um, but Rob, thank you so much for being on today. It's been, it's been an honor. Oh, it's been truly an honor to be on your show and just get to talk with you. And it's just so wonderful to connect with you. And Thank you for what you're doing. And I I absolutely love your show. You got a new big fan right here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, Until next week, have an amazing week ahead. Always remember, love who you are, trust who you are, own who you are, and that will help you define who you are. So until next week, everyone, have an awesome week ahead and we will talk soon.